Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Pod bless everybody. I'm your host of OPP, Corey Cambridge. And before we get started with this amazing episode, I want to tell you about my other show, Silent Giants. Silent Giants is a podcast that highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. Ever wondered who made the MTV logo? Did you know the person who wrote Earth, Wind & Fire's hit song September? Also wrote the theme song for the hit 90s TV show Friends? On Silent Giants, we learn more about these amazing people and dig deep to learn more about their most famous works. Be sure to check out Silent Giants on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Now, let me introduce you to our special guest of OPP. I'm Gustavo Ariano, a features writer for the Los Angeles Times, host of the Times podcast, This is California, The Battle of 187, and you're listening to OPP. Pod bless everybody and welcome to another episode of OPP. Other People's Podcast highlights America's top podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is Gustavo Ariano, features writer for the Los Angeles Times and host of This is California, The Battle of 187. Premiering on October 29th, this three-part series sheds light about the 1994 anti-immigrant ballot initiative that rocked the state of California and how it paved the way for Donald Trump to be elected president. In this interview, I get to chat with Gustavo about his upbringing in Orange County, California, his career in journalism, how we landed at the LA Times, we get his podcaster's picks, and of course, we chat about his dope show, This is California, The Battle of 187. Also, be sure to take a listen to the official trailer of This is California, The Battle of 187 at the end of this episode. Now, on to my exclusive interview with Gustavo Ariano. What's up, Gustavo? How you doing, man? How's it going, man? Dude, it's it's a pleasure. How's everything out in L.A.? Are you in L.A. right now? Uh, it's Orange County, but every the rest of the country thinks it's L.A., so why not L.A. for today? I guess I'm one of those people from around the country that can't distinguish between L.A. and Orange County. What's the difference? Orange County is going to be, you know, it's its own county for starters. It's over three million people, and historically, people thought it was white, racist, rich, and Republican. But that's not the Orange County of today anymore. Uh, but that was the Orange County for many, many years. And for a lot of people still think Orange County is the real housewives of Orange County. Disneyland, if you like sports, the uh, Ducks or the Angels. But even the Angels call themselves the Los Angeles Angels nowadays. Uh, what, what caused that change in, in Orange County? Uh, a lot of Mexicans, a lot of people like myself, like my parents. But what ended up happening was that Orange County just became a more diverse place, just like even Los Angeles County. So in, uh, now, so actually since 2004, Orange County's been majority minority. Nowadays, white folks only make up about 40% of the population. Latinos are about a third. Asian Americans are about 20-some percent. So we're pretty damn diverse. Uh, tell me more about like your, your background, man, growing up in the L.A. area in O.C., 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, son of Mexican immigrants, one came here legally. The other one came here in the trunk of a Chevy. That was the first time he came here without papers. Um, just it's funny because growing up, I was surrounded by people of color, mostly Latinos, but African-Americans, Pakistanis, Loatians and all that. I didn't even realize actually Orange County was majority white until I went to a community college uh, not too far away from Anaheim where I grew up. How'd you get into journalism? Ah, long story short, I wrote a fake angry letter to the editor and the editor liked how angry fake I was. And so he said, why don't you start? I know it's really complicated, (laughs) but, but then he's like, well, you know, you have, you have a good voice and you have, um, a lot of passion about Latinos in Orange County because I criticized them about their lack of coverage of Latinos in the newspaper called OC Weekly. So, uh, I started writing for the paper within two years. I was a staff writer, and within 10 years, I became the editor of the paper. Tell me more about your background. Uh, there was a famous column you wrote at the OC Weekly uh, called Ask a Mexican. Tell me, yeah. more, tell me more about that column. So once I realized that you know the Orange County of stereotypes, the, the rich, racist, white Republicans, that's what dominated the national conversation, and that wasn't the Orange County that I knew. Once I realized... The Orange County that I didn't knew was, again, the stereotype. I decided I want to make fun of that Orange County. And the best way to make fun of that is by ridiculing their ignorance of Mexicans. So Ask a Mexican started in 2004, and it was literally what it sounded like. People would send me questions, me a Mexican, questions about Mexicans, and I would answer them in a satirical fashion. And it didn't matter what the question was. The more racist, the nastier, the better, because I got the last vo- uh, the last word. So the column went from 2004 to 2017, Became a best-selling book, was syndicated nationally. It got turned into two plays, not just one place. So a lot of people paid attention to it. Some people liked it, some people didn't like it. But I enjoyed it because I was able to answer people question. I was able to answer people's questions, and I did it in a fashion that really just you know confronted racism head on with just the most sardonic humor imaginable, but also stats as well, depending on what the question was. But tell me the history of uh, Mexicans in the Los Angeles area and the history they take place in that area. Oh, like they say, this used to be Mexico. So uh, um, the history starts with uh, settlers coming in in the late 1700s, around 1776 or so, coming into Los Angeles into a mission because what the Sp- back then it was Span uh, it was still Spain, and the Spaniards they set up a bunch of mission systems and then basically enslaved and killed all the Native Americans of the area. So after the 1700s, you start seeing more people from Mexico coming in. Uh, this uh, California turns into Mexico and in 1812. Then it takes uh, gets taken over by the United States in the 1848 Mexican-American War. Then you have a lot, you have that same displacement, but now it's white folks, really people from all over the world coming into Los Angeles. And uh, Mexicans become a minority, a big minority. Uh, Things start changing, though, with the Mexican Revolution when you start seeing more Mexicans than ever coming up. And it really hasn't stopped to this day. But the great thing, it's not just Mexicans. It's Central American and South Americans. It's really people from all over the world. Like, I mean, obviously, though, since we're in since we're in California, we tend to get more people from Asia and Latin America than, say, Europe and Africa and even the Middle East so forth. Mm. Uh, Gustavo, I know for myself, um, you know, at being a black podcaster in the podcasting space, or maybe even in general, being a black man, wherever I go, I tend to have yeah. a res- I tend to have a responsibility that I carry with me to do well, right? Like I- I'm not just representing Corey; I'm representing my my race and my culture. Uh, how has that been for you? Do you feel a responsibility as a journalist, and and how do you live with that or work with that? Yeah, yeah. No, at the end for me. 
I have to be proud of myself. And I, I always say I will stand by any story I do because like, I have to answer back to um, my community. I have to answer back to my parents, that alone. If they didn't like something I did, I'd be in trouble. And I, and I do care about my parents. I'd have to answer to my friends and family. And also just knowing that there's not enough people of color in journalism, in podcasting, out in the media, especially in a positive way. I've just tried to do stories that at least I try to represent myself as I am a voice. That said, I am a voice. I am not the voice. I've always tried to make sure of that. And I tell people, these are my stories and my opinions. I'm not trying to speak for anyone. So sometimes I'm going to say things that you don't agree with, but that I'm going to be able to stand by because I really truly believe in them or I did the reporting necessary to put them out there for folks. Is there ever a point when you know, you have a statement and you have a, a belief that maybe doesn't align with, you know, everyone else in the country, everyone else reading your column. Uh, how does that translate or work uh, when you're dealing with a publication like the OC? It's very different if it's like, this is Gustavo and this is me on my blog independently. But what is that like working with a, a publication and, and having that back and forth? Well, it was interesting because at OC Weekly, I ended up becoming the editor. I was the editor for about six years. So I was really the king. I could do whatever I want. I could say my voice is the voice of OC Weekly. Let's go to war with all sorts of crazy people. And it was a lot of fun. Now I'm at the LA Times, a a daily newspaper. So I can no longer really state too many crazy opinions. I Really, nowadays, all I'm allowed to do or all, all I tell myself that I could talk about is talk trash on Clayton Kershaw whenever he chokes during the Dodgers playoffs. <laughs> And also just state again and again and again how overrated In-N-Out hamburgers are out here in California. I get it. Like, you know, when you're when you come from a more traditional media, they don't want their, their reporters to have explicit opinions. They just want the story to tell for itself. So now what I do with my stories, except with this Proposition 187 podcast, they allowed me a little bit more leeway to talk about how I felt or what I feel about things. But I, I do think... At, at the end, whatever I write, whatever I say, again, I'm going to stand by. If I'm writing nowadays, well, it's all going to be backed up by facts. If I say something and if you challenge me on it, well, I better be able to back that up. And I'm going to make sure that I am. I'm not just going to throw I'm not going to throw something against a wall and try to see if it sticks there and try to see how many people pay attention and then just walk away. No, I'm responsible for what I throw on the wall. Uh, Gustavo, tell me how you landed at the L.A. Times. I've actually been writing at the Times one way or another since, geez, 2006 for 13 years. Mostly I was in the opinion pages. Then I did some food stories as well for the food section. In 2018, uh, 2017, I left my job at the OC Weekly because the editor wanted me to lay off half the staff and I refused. So I then became a freelancer for 2018. Most of uh, all of last year, I mostly, uh, yeah, I actually had a weekly column, an opinion column for the uh, uh, for the opinion section about California. And the editors at the paper liked me enough to say, hey, well, we don't want you to have a column. We want you to be a reporter. We want you to tell these tradi- non-traditional stories about parts of California that no one else knows and really tell us the California who we, the California who we were, who we are and who we're going to become. So I started officially in December of last year. Yeah, it's almost going to be a year in about a month or so. Yeah. How are you able to communicate the importance of diversity when you're speaking to maybe a community of people that may not understand or have deep-rooted interest in your interest? I tell them this. The, do you want to succeed in your business? Of course you do. They all do. Well, look at the demographics around you. Look at the buying power. Look at also just representation. How can you, let's just say you're in an organization, let's just say Southern California, organization Southern California, 75% white in an area where white folks are the minority of the population. How can you with a straight face think that you're doing a good job in your 
in your business when you don't even reflect the people around you, where you don't have these points of view. And not only that, like for me, diversity is different points of view. Like my experience is different from your experience and our experience is different from say a Muslim woman who wears a hijab. The more points of view that you have, the less likely you're going to be, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, in a circle jerk where everyone thinks the same way and uh, with a bunch of yes men. No, you want dissension. You want positive dissension. You want people to say, actually, I think this. And you also want you want to be in a place where you might actually be wrong and someone might convince you that you're wrong. And together you could build something that's far stronger than the both of you combined. That to me is the value of diversity. Mm. Uh, Gustavo, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to do your podcast, The Battle of 187. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah. Okay, so tell me, how did you first discover the medium of podcasting? I oh geez, that's a that's a cool question. I think, let's see. It would have to have been through uh, NPR, not just through Serial, but I know I, I come out out here in, in Southern California on KCRW, one of the NPR stations. So they started doing these what they would call podcasts. And I'm like, what's a podcast? It's like, oh, it's sub, it's like a radio uh, documentary, but it's not going to come out over the airwaves. It's going to be online only. And you could actually download it through iTunes or, you know, stream it online. And I thought that's really interesting. I hope maybe there could be a chance for me to do something like that one day, because obviously when it comes to what gets broadcast on the radio, it's really hard because there's, there's only a limited amount of uh, spaces. But once podcasting just blew up, different commentaries or whatever, I thought it was great. It's a democratization of radio journalism where anyone can do it. And all of a sudden, it's something that I've always preached. If the media is not going to reflect you, then you become the media and you basically overtake the media. And if they're going to fail, then it's all on them, not on you. Uh, Did you ever see yourself ever becoming a podcaster? You know, I... I had ideas. I, li- I like to I like to talk, obviously. I've been doing radio commentaries on NPR, geez, for a good 15 years. But I guess I'm still old school because I'm always a print reporter. I always try to think, how can I write a story? How can I do a beginning, middle, and end? But that's a great thing by doing this podcast. So the Battle of 187, my first ever podcast. It's cool. It's like, it, it takes, I was actually a film major in college. So it takes me back to my screenwriting days where you have to plan out the script. You have to, in, you have to find the characters. It's this cool, like it's, it splits. I think podcasting splits the difference between print journalism and film and like Hollywood television and, and Hollywood, because you do have to still paint the scene and you still do have, to, you still have to do a lot of reporting, but it has to be done in a way where you have to not just stimulate the eyes of folks, but in this case, definitely the ears, the audit, you know, the auditory senses as well. Oh, let's get into your podcast. So, so tell me uh, about This is California, the Battle of uh, 187. Give me the elevator pitch for the podcast. Proposition 187 passed 25 years ago. Uh, it sought to uh, criminalize undocumented people. It passed overwhelmingly. And because of that, California now is a progressive beacon that it is. And Donald Trump is in the White House. That's your elevator pitch right there. What inspired you? And tell me the origins and the inspiration behind this podcast. 
So 187 looms huge over California, especially if you are like Generation X like me. And not even that, like if you care about politics, if you're Latino, you know about Proposition 187 because 25 years ago, the governor of California, a lot of Republican activists decided to declare war on undocumented people saying that they were ruining, uh, undocumented folks are ruining California. And 59% of the voters agreed with it in 1994, but it eventually got ruled unconstitutional. A lot of Latinos got uh, became politically active because of it. The democratic uh, power structure that we have today is a direct result of people who grew up during the 187 era. And at the same time, it also unleashed this gene, uh, you know, popped open the cork and the anti-immigrant genie spread across the United States all the way to having President Trump in the White House using the same rhetoric that people used in 1994. That to me is an amazing story to tell. And so for the 25th anniversary, it was a perfect time to tell it. And thankfully, with the L- I pitched my idea to the LA Times. They liked it as, or actually my boss gave me the idea. I actually originally said I didn't want to do it because I felt I was too biased on the issue because I grew up during the 187 era. My high school, Anaheim High, walked out in mass to protest 187, but I didn't because I was too much of a coward. I'm based here in Brooklyn, uh, but why is this podcast important for people and listeners outside of California to tune in? If you want to know how Donald Trump got into the White House, you have to know the story of 187 because he took that playbook, this idea of demonizing immigrants, demonizing people of color and running with that issue all the way through up to the White House. And now, of course, what you see on the border with migrant caravans, with splitting of families once they cross the border, with trying to put a citizenship question on the U.S. Census, it's all an anti-immigration, anti-undocumented people, uh, how can I put this, a strategy that is direct from California 25 years ago with Proposition 187. Like you could make a direct through line from 187 all the way to Trump. So if you don't like Trump or you like Trump, hey, either way, 187 explains a lot of how he got into power and how he's keeping power. I always tell folks, um, you know, my background is in music. And whenever I would write a song, I would always have a message that I wanted to convey or an emotion that I wanted to get out of the listener. What do you want uh, listeners to walk away with after uh, hearing uh, the Battle of 187? I'm a history nerd, so at the very least, I want people to know what you, what we have today can be explained by the past. We all care about Trump one way or another, so if you want to know how did he get to where he's at today, it's because of this. But you also want to know about a changing country, the demographics, that also explains 187. Uh, 25 years ago, you know, California was still majority white, was pretty conservative. Now it's a very blue state. Uh, Latinos are the largest uh, group in California. That same thing that happened is happening across the United States. Latinos are now a majority of the American population. Latinos are going to be changing American politics. So as I, as I conclude my podcast, get ready, America, because what happened in California is going to happen to you. How many episodes are going to be part of the series? So it's a it's three 20-minute episodes, so one hour in total. It's very easy to listen to. You just download them all, you listen and all that. There's also going to be stories, uh, print stories uh, that are going to be a part of the component of it. I wrote a personal essay. So 187 is not just straight news. It also talks about my uh, evolution, my feelings, and what I went through 25 years ago with 187 all the way to the present day. Uh, but there's going to be print stories, uh, a timeline of Proposition 187, really to allow people to see how monumental this was in California. And 
I, it's not just me who has said this. Many national prognosticators has pointed out specifically to 187 as changing California, as sort of being the warning sign for Trump and or any Republican or any politician who wants to use anti-immigrant rhetoric to win. It really is a Peric victory. And if you don't believe, uh, you know, if, if you don't believe uh, us, then believe, look at what happened in California. Uh, Gustavo. Okay, so we are at a point in the podcast called Our Podcasters Picks. Now, this is when I ask today's special guests to give me their top three favorite podcasts that they enjoy that we should be listening to. So, Oh, boy. So, Gustavo, give me your top three favorite podcasts. <laughs> well, I have to give a plug, of course, to uh, LA Times, The Man in the Window, six-part podcast against the Golden State Killer, this horrible, horrible serial killer who terrorized California for about 20 years. And what's amazing about my colleague Paige St. John, it's not just about the murders. It's also about how women uh, were tr- were treated. What uh, Victims or survivors of rape, they were basically looked at shamefully in the 1970s. So it's a chilling, chilling podcast. Really explains a lot about how much we've become. And it's also a murder mystery. And they, you know, the Golden State Killer, the accused Golden State Killer, at least, he's still sitting behind bars. That's one. Another one, oh boy, Racist Sandwich. Racist Sandwich is about food justice done by people of color, hilarious conversations, penetrating conversations, insightful conversations, all about the intersectionality of food. Another podcast, I'm more of a food guy, interestingly enough, when it comes to my podcast, Gravy. Gravy is the podcast of the Southern Foodways Alliance. That's a little bit more like... um, this American Life, in other words, it picks a theme. It tells different stories around it, but you know, all about foodways in the American South. So those four podcasts, I mean, you'll have a great day just listening to all of them. And Gustavo, before we get out of here, why do you podcast? <laughs> why have I podcast for the first time in my life? It's a different way of telling a story. It's a different way of getting people who maybe don't want to read a newspaper anymore, maybe don't want to use their eyes, but really want to get enwrapped. And for me, it's a challenge. Like, okay, I've been doing print for 20, about 20 years. This is my first time doing it. I want to do it again. So how am I going to improve? How am I going to be able to tell stories that are going to uh, relate to people outside of my historical readership? Now it's my listenership. How am I going to do that? So it was great to do the, one, uh, the Battle of 187, but I'm ready for the next one. And Gustavo, thank you so much for being a guest here on OPP, man. Everyone go check out the Battle of 187 right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, you're the man. I really appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of OPP and to our special guest, Gustavo Ariano. You can find This Is California, The Battle of 187 on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I want to send a special thank you to my dear friends at the LA Times, Allison Farias, Abby Fincher-Swanson, and Clint Schaff. This episode was mixed by Bradley Naiman. Music for this episode was produced by Richie Quake. And are you down with OPP? If so, be sure to leave us a five-star rating in the Apple app and let me know your favorite podcast in the review section. Also, be sure to check out my other podcast, Silent Giants, which highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. And you can find that as well on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Lastly, be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to hear my official trailer of This is California, The Battle of 187. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Pa bless everybody. Till next time. They keep coming. Two million illegals in California. The federal government won't stop them at the border, yet requires us to pay billions to take care of them. 
The illegal alien comes without any checking, and they often bring the diseases. So most of the contagious diseases are being brought in by the illegals. I'm Gustavo Arellano with the Los Angeles Times, and I'm the host of a new podcast about Proposition 187. It was on the ballot 25 years ago in California, and it was an all-out assault on undocumented immigrants. If it went into effect, families wouldn't be able to use public health care. All of a sudden, immigrant kids would be asked for papers or they'd get kicked out of school. In this podcast, I try to find answers to things about Prop 187 that have bugged me for years. Like, who came up with Prop 187? The experiment was, could you collect enough signatures for and pass a grassroots proposition with no big money behind it, just simply enough, are there enough people involved and angry about a situation? Who thought of the idea to call this a Save Our State initiative? Uh, About four uh, margaritas at El Torito. What was 187 really about? Race? Or saving tax dollars going to so-called illegal immigrants? You know, and looking back over the material, there's one thing that, that struck me, and that was the title, Save Our State. You know, because I read that, that statement, I'm thinking, save our state from what? From me? Like, <laughs> I'm a threat to you? Like, uh, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I'm going trying to go to school. I'm trying to better myself. Like, how am I the threat? Many people said, Mibiglar, you're a citizen. You shouldn't worry about this at all. It was about me. It was about people like me. I was the one that was going to be asked just because of who I was. Ultimately, did Prop 187 win? And is the same stuff that California went through in the 90s going to happen to the United States today? The vote was in favor of this initiative, Proposition 187. It is now the law of this state, and it is the people of California involved here. Well, I think it initially won, obviously, because it passed, but no, it didn't. It it lost, and it lost in so many different aspects. Look at the health of the Republican Party in, in California today. I'm not trying to be funny. The food is better, right? The food really is better. From the Los Angeles Times and Futuro Studios, this is The Battle of 187. Hear the story by subscribing to our new This is California podcast on October 29th, or tune in to NPR's Latino USA on November 1st. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.